You're listening to Just Chat with Drew, where we go over everything and anything regarding self-help, growth, and to better yourself in your late to early 20s. Our guest today is a founder and CEO of the London Diverse City Think Tank, one of the world's foremost biased navigating experts, created a code called out unconscious workplace bias and stopping it in its tracks, and made a book called I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Biases in the Workplace. This man has interacted with over 50,000 people worldwide as a consultant, trainer, coach, and a wonderful dad to his family. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Mr. Buki, for stopping by and yeah, tell <laughs> us about yourself. How did you um, start? Where do you begin? Your origin story. Yeah, well, look, you know, I've been in consulting for the last 23 years, you know, and um, uh, uh, in the course of doing that, um, I was uh, exposed to uh, <laughs> bias, you know, racial bias. Uh, both as a, a, a as a as a practitioner and, and and selling my consulting services and also in delivery. Now the interesting thing is that when somebody says, especially a black person or an ethnic minority or any minority, says right. uh, that they were exposed to racial bias or to any bias, that immediate uh, 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 kind of uh, thought that you have, instinctive thought is, that you have, is that it was to them. But the problem is that sometimes it was, it was to me sometimes, but sometimes it was me towards the white majority. In my case, right. it was the white majority. And uh, this kind of confused me, you know, because sometimes I would sense bias towards me, but then I think, actually, I, maybe I'm wrong, you know. <laughs> and um, this really confused me, and I really just didn't understand, which was, this is what kind of formulated the name of my methodology, which is IDU, which turned into I don't understand, uh, because I really didn't understand it. And I was a very, this whole kind of misinterpretation really played on my mind. And I'll give you an idea, I'll give you an example. Um, sometimes I would go for deals and um, I, you know, I would sense a bias towards me uh, in affecting people's decisions. That is, you know, they had a conditioned view of uh, a my ethnic my black ethnic minority uh, in terms of what that person can do and them running an organization and providing these services and it was a negative conditioned view so i would assume that that was happening towards me and that was affecting a decision and i would get really annoyed and in my mind i'd be cursing these guys out the decision maker or decision makers right and I think, oh, that's going nowhere. Then two weeks later, I get a call. And they say, hey, Bookie, we really loved you. When we want you to start. Can you start? Like, when can you start? And then hmm. I think to myself, oh, my God, thank God people can't read minds. Well, because if they could read my <laughs> mind, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be so enthusiastic about giving me the deal. So right. um, this is what the kind of confusion that I had to deal with. And, you know, when you are right, when, you are, when, you, when I was right and I did sense bias, you know, the, the overwhelming feeling that I would have was I just don't understand um, how people could be so uh, insensitive or I just don't understand the incivility of their behavior. Um, I just don't understand the injustice that I'm seeing in front of me. How could someone be so nice and then so wicked? You know, how could somebody do that? I just don't understand. And that was the overwhelming thing that would go into my mind. I just don't understand. And so this led to me forming... Uh, uh, the methodology 
called IDU, which stands for I Don't Understand, and ultimately the name of my book, I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. It'd be interesting to have my reading powers. So to mm -hmm. answer the question, like, if I don't understand, let me think why you said this way. Why are you so excited? Or why did you came off so, I guess, defensive and hesitant when I asked a question or when I called something out, whether in the workplace mm. or public? Having that mm. superpower could have, yeah, <laughs> see better understanding. But when it comes to yeah. uh, people and their biases, they have their own agenda to fill or they feel sometimes victimized where... It's like, don't get me wrong, like you're a intelligent person. And because you are a, I guess, minority figure, we kind of feel hostile towards you. Or it's probably like question, yeah. like, what's your intention? And the agenda could be skewered as little as that. Like, I'm just trying to live and pursue my dreams. So it's interesting yeah. why people have those biases, because at the end of the day, like, what do you really think? Like, what's the root of the problem? Like, why people even have the bias in the first place? And like, if you could share your thoughts, and like, is it like directional or is it like reverse bias? Like, am I feeling biased? Yeah. I was biased. Like, I don't. Yeah. It could mix with it. Well, yeah. Well, look, you know, I think the thing is we are all biased. That's a, yeah. that, that's what we're, we're all biased, right? We all have different biases. Now, if you're a minority, whatever your minority, based on gender, based on sexual orientation, based on age, based on physical ability, based on thinking patterns, you know, right. um, then... You, and you're working in an environment with, with with people who are primarily the um, the same, then however slight, they will have a conditioned view of you. And because they have limited exposure to people like you, by definition, because you're a minority, they can only go by the conditioned view that they have from their past experience, what they've seen in media, what they read in the papers. And unfortunately, for, for a large amount of minorities that's negative and if you think about it it's going to be negative if you're a minority anyway you, you know because people don't really know you and uh, we tend to as human beings uh, uh um think that we are we are the best we are the better right so i think that's the problem but the other side of the problem is that um the minorities are conditioned to think that other people will be biased towards them so like right. you mentioned, there are two forms of bias. There's directional bias. That's the one that we're all familiar with. That's towards mm -hmm. you because of your race and ethnicity, your age, your gender, your sexual orientation, your physical ability, thinking mm -hmm. patterns, socioeconomic background. That's towards you, right? That's what mm -hmm. we're all familiar with. And this is where people don't get the same opportunities as others uh, and their careers can be stifled because of uh, um, negative conditioned views, stereotypical views about them, which aren't positive, right? That's what yeah. we all know about. But there's also reverse bias. That is when I misinterpret um, unfavorable decisions towards me as driven by unconscious bias. In that moment, that becomes my bias. So I become the perpetrator and the traditional perpetrator becomes the victim. But the problem right. is nobody ever talks about that side of it. But it's important that we talk about that side of it, because if we don't talk about that side of it and address that side of it, you can't actually address our problem. So there are two forms of bias. There's directional bias and there's reverse bias. And I'll just say one other thing. Whenever you sense bias, whichever side of the table you're on, you're always right. You're definitely, positively, 100% correct. But the problem is the bias that you're sensing could be biased towards you 
-hmm. Well, you could be sensing your bias towards the other person. But the problem is, is that we shortcut to our conditioned view of the group that the other person is in when we're on the receiving end of unfavorable decisions. And we assume that the bias towards this is towards us. But in many cases, it could be our bias towards them. It kind of defeats the whole purpose, you know, because like we kind of have that reverse bias to protect ourselves. And then we don't yeah. understand like, oh, maybe we need to dial it back a bit. And exactly. so when it comes to, I really don't understand the whole situation. There's like three sides to the story, his story, her story, and the truth. If the truth of the matter is something, then your reaction towards that bias should be, you know, irrelevant. Like it shouldn't have come to cross. But the truth of the matter is like, hey, this person treated me this way. Then we understand it truly why that's the case. And you see yeah, that a lot exactly. in like the world or like um, just little social media videos where people really, ex I would say expose people, but just record like, hey, this person, this individual, um, people call it a Karen. This person's a Karen that's like acting racially motivated against me when I was trying to order coffee at Starbucks or something. It's very yeah. interesting how people like, we'll have to bring that out because otherwise no one would believe it. They'll think it's just the norm. And it's crazy how the first reaction is like, oh, pull your cameras out rather than calling for assistance. But you made a valid point. Yeah. It's it's interesting for young adults, especially as we have to face through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the I think the I think as young adults, I think the most important thing is to recognize the two way nature of it. You know, yes. I think if if we can accept the two way nature, right? That is unconscious bias, right? in the workplace, in college, mm -hmm. wherever, wherever you sense it, right? It's mm -hmm. a two-way street, not a one-way street. It's multi-directional. And I think mm -hmm. once we accept that, right, then in terms of addressing it, it all becomes a lot easier because what happens is that whenever you sense bias, a biased decision, a career-stifling biased decision towards you, you'll always allow for your misinterpretation. And, and then that the ends up being the truth. And that's the key right there. It's always the truth, them, the misinterpretation. Yeah. And then that spread over to like Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. You have to allow, but we never allow for our misinterpretation. And um, right. if you allow for your misinterpretation, then, you know, I can show anybody how to, how to navigate bias. I can show mm -hmm. you how to call out bias. I can show you how to navigate like a slalom skater. Right. But <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't help somebody or I can't help an organization unless mm -hmm. they accept the multidirectional nature, accepting the two way nature of unconscious bias in the workplace or anywhere else, for that matter, doesn't discount all the inequality that's happened. It mm -hmm. doesn't discount the fact that certain people are disproportionately underrepresented in senior roles or are disproportionately underrepresented in high-profile role. It doesn't discount that. All it says is that we're, we, we all have a propensity for bias. And mm -hmm. therefore, whenever we sense bias, we must allow for our misinterpretation. That's all. It just means that saying that I could, I'm, I'm, I'm definite, I'm certain, but I could be wrong. The right. minute we do that, then we're adept, we're in a position to navigate it. But until, unless we do that, we immediately become the perpetrator because bias, unconscious bias, by definition, is implicit. That's why it's called unconscious bias. If it wasn't, 
It would be called explicit bias. That is, a person right. would say, I hate people like you and I'm not promoting <laughs> you or something like that. that, but that and that's, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Right. No, that's definitely true. And I think, I don't know what the reason is why people won't um, be more just honest with that. Because you're right. Like, if you just come at it with that different perspective, people would take it much more easier. But when it comes to, I guess, calling it out, they don't want to cause issues or troubles or things of that nature. Do you, I don't know if you have a reason or an idea to why people would um, probably withhold that bias. It's just try and leave it alone when they see it or probably just keep things going mm -hmm. if it doesn't bother them. What, you mean, why Why don't people call it out? Why don't, why don't people call it out, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I think that there are, there are a couple of reasons. The first reason is that... Um... You're listening to Just Chat with Drew. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for a personalized senior housing placement in Maryland? Look no further than Senior Care Placement and Consulting Incorporated. With over 24 years of experience, our dedicated team ensures your loved ones receive the best care possible. Whether it's assisted living, respite care, or home care, we tailor our services to meet your unique needs. Trust us to find the perfect placement. Visit SeniorCare-Placement.com for a free consultation today. There are a couple of reasons. The first reason is that... Um... Well, traditional victims basically don't know how to call it out. Don't know how to call it out without flipping out, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> and then if you flip out, you're going to look like a uh, like an agitator. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, don't know how to call it out without saying you hurt my feelings. If you weren't a mm -hmm. victim, you will be when you say that, right? So mm -hmm. um, they don't know what to, they don't know how to do it, right? The, the people don't know how to do it without uh, uh, um, getting the other person's back up. Right. Right. And um, I call that without invoking what I describe as defensive fragility. That is getting the other person's back mm -hmm. up. That's the number one obstacle to uh, navigating or calling out bias. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other, you know, so that's directional bias, calling that out. But then there's also a reverse bias. So if I'm mm -hmm. a, a white, middle class, heterosexual male yeah. and I sense misinterpretations of my behavior as driven by unconscious bias i don't want to say anything because i don't want to be see i don't want to come across like i'm unsympathetic to the equality cause or like i'm a bigot or i don't want to be right. unconsciously gaslit so i don't say anything and the and problem think is that fear is, is crazy because it's it's crazy because someone of that um that won't be a minority will call it out have they called out to like they fear of like oh being um what my ostracized or just like being yeah no non-team player yeah right not team player you're just you know doing playing the agenda mm -hmm. trying to fit your um agenda like and for the minority like when they see like oh he's actually helping me they could have obscured it and say oh no you probably try to be a savior to us yeah so we don't yeah. want your help so <laughs> there's really no yeah. <laughs> solution yeah. Yeah. it's just yeah. two heads clashing. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, in in both those scenarios, when neither calls it, neither calls it out, right? Yes. What happens is that you have because sometimes it's small, right? But what mm -hmm. happens is that you have, you know, if the minority doesn't call out sense bias, they kind of disengage. They dis it's just disengage, right? But what other people don't realize is that when the majority member doesn't call out reverse bias, they're disengaging as well. 
And like the problem with un, you know, uh, um, career stifling bias and underrepresentation of minorities is that these what I call what I describe as micro disengagements accumulate mm. over time, over 200 mm. days or 220 days in a year. They working year, they accumulate. Mm. And these micro disengagement lead to mass disengagement. There was some research done by um, Gallup some years ago, right? Oh. It found that bi bias related disengagement is costing the US between 450 and 550 billion dollars a year. And that's no just way. the US. Just yeah, the yeah, US. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Just the US, not to talk of <laughs> Europe, right? <laughs> mm. $450 billion a year. Now, here's the thing. Yes. The, the inference, the unconscious inference, is that um, the disengagement is from minorities. But I think the disengagement is from the majority as well, because the majority aren't calling out misinterpretations. So right. um, what you have is mass disengagement. And like I said, not a, it's not always a big thing. Sometimes I might sense bias towards me, and I think, well... You know, here we go again. He's trying to hold the brother down, <laughs> trying to put, you know, whatever. That's and I, and I just let it go, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, the, but also the majority leader also will think, oh, yeah, look, you know, this guy, you know, tip minority got a chip on his shoulder. I'm, I'm look, mm -hmm. I haven't got time for this, and they don't say right. anything. But both are disengaging. Both mm -hmm. are disengaging. So we need to learn to call it out, and the the, the, the key to learn it, to call it out. Is mm -hmm. it is um, recognizing that the biggest comp the biggest obstacle is uh, uh, defensive fragility. That is the potential, the propensity for people to get their back up. Once you do that, I can show you how to to call it out. Can we touch on that defensive fragi fragility? Because I think yeah. that's very crucial in um, definitely the modern society. People feel too, I guess, defensive and too like personal. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm. How dare you call me this, Mister Mizubuki? You're mean. You're you're hating on black people. You're hating on these people. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's it's very um, a yeah. crucial aspect when it comes to society. So if you want to touch on that, please, for people who yeah, don't know. look, yeah, yeah, yeah. And first of all, I want to say it shouldn't be mistaken with white fragility. There's an author, one of your compatriots. Um, I don't know if you know of her. Her name was Robin DiAngelo. She wrote a book called White Fragility, and it was all about oh, you know, yes. uh, yeah, people not being. Uh, white people or not being uh, 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 being uncomfortable when confronted with the realities right. of racial inequality, racial, right? Especially on Black History Month, yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's actually wrong. There's mm. no such thing as white fragility. You know, if you, <laughs> you know, if, uh, uh, um, you know, if I get, if you say something to, if, if a white person says something to me, which upsets me, Right, which is if I, so let's say a white person says, "Oh, you, you black guys, or people that look like you have a chip on your shoulder," and I get mm. upset and I say, "You're damn right, I got a chip on my shoulder. Never mind a chip on my shoulder. I got a boulder on my shoulder, and it <laughs> should be a tree." You have no idea what it is to be a black man in a white man's world trying to make mm -hmm. it corporate, you know. And I go on like that. What do you call that? That's frigid. That's me getting my back up. So would you call right. that black fragility? So hmm. when a, a, um, a, a, um, a white person is confronted with the ills of uh, a, a racial inequality, right? It's only human that they might get, they might get their back up or be uncomfortable mm -hmm. or be defensive because that's human nature. So there's no such thing as white fragility, right? The, the, mm -hmm. the emotion 
that she's talking to and the reaction that she's talking about is actually defensive fragility. So this defensive fragility is the number one obstacle. And the way to, there are two ways of, of, of dealing with it, right? Um, and when you look at bias in the workplace, right? It kind of comes in two forms. So the first form is what I call simple bias, right? Simple bias, right? Simple bias. And that's what is commonly known as microaggression. Microaggressions, yeah, that makes, right? yeah, we see yeah, those a lot. So, Everyone sees those yeah, a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, microaggressions, right? And so um, there's a person could say, like, when I when I first started speaking, people would say to me, mm-hmm. oh, Bookie, you speak so well. This would be white <laughs> leaders or stuff. They say, you speak so well. And I think, uh, in my mind, I think, what do you mean I speak so well? You're just saying that because <laughs> I'm a black guy. you never seen an articulate black guy. That's what I would think in my mind. But then yeah. I think, actually, maybe they just think, as I was leaving, I think, well, maybe they just think I speak well. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the matter with saying I speak well? Maybe I'm a speaker. What do I want them to say? That's what I want right. them to say. How right? can a speaker not speak well? It doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. So he said you speak well. So I, so I thought, well, actually, and this started to confuse me. So I think, I said, I thought, well, maybe they, it's just a compliment. It's not a, it's not a backhanded. It could just be a compliment. So... Mm-hmm. um I decided the next time somebody says that to me, I'm going to respond, right? I'm going to respond. And also the other thing is they used to say this to me and it would always be in the morning. So it'd end up ruining my lunch, right? And I think, you know, lunch is way too important to be ruined, right? So no. I need to have to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> not the so, lunch of our things. Not the lunch, not the lunch. Right? <laughs> we can't ruin our lunch. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so now when anybody says to me, you speak so well, I just say, mm-hmm. thank you. So do you, right? Or <laughs> right, you know. And if I think this, I just accept it as a com- as a pleasant, uh, you know, as a pleasant comment. As a comment, yeah. And if I think yeah. there's some, yeah. And if I think there's something there, I might say thank you. You sound surprised, and then move on and enjoy my lunch. So there are three steps there in dealing with microaggression. Step mm-hmm. one is always give the person the benefit of the doubt. I don't care how certain you think the microaggression is. I don't care how certain you think you are of a microaggression towards you. Just give them the person the benefit of the doubt. You feel good. You feel better, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it removes any potential tension, right? Um, the second step is light, re- light reconditioning. That allows mm-hmm. for your misinterpretation. So in that situation, I just said, oh, thank you. No, you sound surprised, right? And then move on. And the third step is just move on, right? So those are three steps for dealing with microaggression. You're able to deal with it simply effortlessly right right um so that's the first type of bias simple bias now what yeah the second right type of bias right is what i describe as complex bias and this is what i think causes the underrepresentation of minorities you know in america right there are in the fortune 500 which is the kind of like uh, the thing we look to right Uh, uh, uh the barometer right there are only 53 female CEOs in the United States, as far as the Fortune 500 is concerned, right? There are only seven black CEOs in the Fortune 500, right? This is just disproportionate underrepresentation. There are more women in America than there are men. How can you only have, how can you tell me that there are only 53 women in the Fortune 500 that are mm-hmm. capable of being CEOs of Fortune 500 companies? Doesn't right? make sense. Um, yeah, there's 13% of the population in the U.S. is black, yet there are only seven black CEOs. It doesn't make sense. It should be my, like, 50, right? Mm-hmm. So it really, 
it, it doesn't actually uh, make sense, right? And in the in the US, in the UK, it's very similar. You know, it's not it's not it's not like it's great in the UK, right? Um, it's very similar. So um, I think what one of the big contributors to this is what I call complex bias, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where complex bias is different from simple bias. Because microaggressions, even though they're subtle, you can kind of see them, you sense them. But complex bias is very difficult to prove. So this is where I think I should be made partner, but I'm not. Uh, um, but people who, are, who are, I think are, are not as good as me are making mm. partner or earn less for me than the firm are making, mm. for the firm are making partner, right? <laughs> now, to me, it's obvious, but it's very difficult to prove because there are also other factors that people can bring in, right? So right. that's what I describe as complex bias. It's the stuff in between, right? So mm -hmm. how do you deal with that? How do you call that out, right? And the problem is nobody calls it out, right? They, they you know, because they don't know how to. So there mm -hmm. are four steps. I'll give you the edited <laughs> highlights version, right? Of course, four of and course. A half steps. Four and a half steps. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Step one, right, is in calling it out, if you sense complex career stifling bias, right? Step one mm -hmm. is your mindset. Set your mm -hmm. mindset. What I mean by that is you've got to leave your baggage at the door. This is baggage that you have every right to be carrying based on what you can see, based on the underrepresentation. So if I'm black and I'm not seeing any, 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 any black people in senior roles, you could kind of understand uh, my suspicion that it might mm -hmm. be down to the way I look or down to my ethnicity, mm -hmm. right? Or if I'm a female and I don't see any women, you might it might be down to my sex, right? Or or if I'm uh, a disabled uh, a person who's wheelchair bound, right? It might be mm -hmm. down to my disability. Or if I have an alternative thinking pattern, it could be down to that. Or my socioeconomic, I didn't go to an Ivy League college, right? So, so, you know, it could be down to that. You could understand right. the suspicion, but you need to drop all of that. You need yeah, to drop leave it that, by the even door. Though, yeah, leave it at the door. You need to be like Daniel LaRusso. You know, did you watch? Did you ever watch? <laughs> did you watch the original Karate, karate Kid? Ah, uh, yes, yes. I saw that. The that original was my Karate one. Kid. The original before Jaden. Yes. Yeah, before Jaden. Jaden was good. <laughs> Jaden was original, really good. The yeah. I love Jackie Chan. My idol cool, but the original really impactful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So. um in his in 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 Daniel's last fight, right? Because Daniel was bullied, and he gets to mm -hmm. he's taught karate by Mister Miyagi, the sage guy, and um, he's in his final fight. He's in a contest, and he's in the final fight, and then and he and he and he's with the top karate guy, and he's scared because he doesn't want to lose, right? Because he, that's going to remind him of all the bullying, and then the people are going to bully him, and they won't respect him. So Mister Miyagi says to him, "Empty your head, empty your head." And the reason why he's telling him to empty his head is so that he can have focus and clarity, right? And that's it's exactly the same thing. You have to drop all of that stuff. You can't bring 400, the residue of 400 years of slavery to the table. You can't bring the ills of the colonial empire. You can't bring the suffragette movement. You can't bring the fact that there are millions of disabled people who should be in senior roles in, 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 in organizations, but they're not because of their difference. You you got to drop all of that, right? You got to drop all of that. So the question I'd ask you, Drew, hmm. is why do you think I'm suggesting you have to drop all of that? Because it'll get in the way to find the real answer. Yeah, exactly. It impairs your vision. It impairs your mm -hmm. wisdom. 
right? Mm -hmm. And it's the only way in our process that you can get to step two. Right. So the question then becomes, well, what is step two, right? So step two is give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt. So step one is set your mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Step two is give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But of course, you can't give everybody the benefit of the doubt if you're carrying the baggage of That's racial true. bias, gender bias. That's true, because uh, it'll distract bias. you. It's like, it'll... what do you mean? I'm holding this yeah. up. <laughs> How dare you? Do you not yeah. see me? And we don't see exactly what you're talking about. But like you should know because I'm struggling with my baggage. I get it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you need to drop that, right? And that allows you to right. do that too. And then you can give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But here's the rub. Mm. Call them out anyway. Call them out anyway. Or rather, call out the bias anyway. Yes. Call out the bias, the sensed bias anyway. So when I'm doing workshops and keynotes and talks, people always say to me, well, how could you possibly give a person the benefit of the doubt, but call them out anyway. And the way to call them out, and this is step three, is to say these simple three powerful words. And that is, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's the purest, it's the most unscathed place you can come from. And when you say, I don't understand, and you turn that statement into a question, you actually invoke our natural instinct to give direction. That is the person will say, what don't you understand? Or they'll say, well, let me show you. All right. Mm -hmm. And now you're into an otherwise sticky conversation that, about bias that you wouldn't have been able to get into. And mm -hmm. the key in terms of navigating that conversation is to stay with that I don't understand type questioning. And we call that dispassionate developmental inquiry. Dispassionate developmental inquiry. All right. Just come from a place of dispassionate developmental inquiry and what you're going to find is one of three things is going to happen the bias towards you if it is towards you will call itself out so you don't have to say you gave the job to him but you didn't give it to me because of x y and z that'll actually call itself out hmm. or what will happen and this is what a lot of people aren't comfortable with or ready for is your reverse bias, your misinterpretation right of this of, of the decision will call itself out or what will happen, this is the third thing, is a bit of both. <laughs> so your misinterpretation and their direct bi directional bias towards you and a bit of reverse bias. Mm. Is that, yeah, does that make sense? That will call itself out. And once mm. it calls itself out, you can then collaboratively agree next steps. Collaboratively agree next. So we've looked at four steps there. Step one, set mm. your mindset. mindset. Leave your baggage. Leave your luggage in the lobby. Leave it at the door. If you want, pick it up on the way out. But what you're going to find if you follow this process, it will disappear, right? right? Leave the baggage at the door. Step two, right? Give the person the benefit of the doubt, but call them out anyway. Or call out the bias, the sense bias anyway. How do you call out the sense bias? You use dispassionate developmental inquiry. The most powerful form of that is I don't understand. Right? Say Turned that three times <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here we get lost. Of this, but, uh, 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 yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Just tell them, tell them you don't understand, right? And tell yeah. them, say, I don't understand. And what you're going to find is that they will, they will either say, what don't you understand? In which case you can tell them. Or they'll say, well, let me show you. They'll, well, let me explain. They'll elaborate. And if you still don't understand, then say that. And keep mm -hmm. doing that until 
the bias calls itself out, yours or theirs, or somewhere in between. And then you can collaboratively agree next step. And if the bias was towards you, you can seek what I describe as worthy recompense, right? Mm -hmm. um, for your loss. Don't just accept it. Don't just say, oh, I missed a job, so I'll have to wait another year or two before I get it. No, right? right? You should collaboratively work with the, your boss to seek worthy recompense. And because people didn't wake up or conspire to conspire to stop you from getting a promotion, right? The likelihood is that the person will proactively work with you to seek worthy recompense. In my book, we go into how to do that. But mm -hmm. the person will work with you to seek uh, 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 worthy recompense and resolve, mm -hmm. um, resolve the problem. So those are the four steps. You're definitely a wonderful speaker because that is motivating to hear. And this is a blessing to have because it really have a step-by-step -step formula to how you answer the problem, how do you solve it, and then moving on with your life so you don't um, sit in this, in this yeah. whole, like, you know, fill, I won't say full, but just, like, whole negative mindset of it. So, like, as we wrap yeah. it up, what are our final thoughts of pretty young adults to really see it and call it out? And, like, any shout-out to your books or... um events you have going yeah. on in the future please let us know yeah well well i think look i think the first thing is um uh I, what i would say to people out there whenever you sense bias remember it's a two-way street if it's the only thing that you take from this right if there's one thing that you take from this right workplace bias unconscious bias in the workplace right is multi-directional so always allow, when you sense it, always allow for your misinterpretation. If, they, if you just took that, you'll find that your career path will, especially if you're a minority, whatever that minority is, you, you'll find you'll, you'll expedite the pace at which you get to where you're going to go to, want to. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. In terms of uh, stuff that, in terms of wanting to find out more, right, about me and what I do, I would encourage you to read my book because I go into this in a lot more detail, <laughs> right? And my book's called I Don't Understand Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. You can get it on all of the major, all, all, all of the outlets, Amazon, mm -hmm. Barnes and Nobles and everything. It's published by Business Expert Press. So you can get mm -hmm. that. Um, I also have um, a, a kind of te a test, a quiz, a test, and it's called... Um, Masaku's bias, uh, Masaku's bias navigation test, right? Mm -hmm. And you can, I would encourage people to take that, right? And if you go to uh, navigatingbias.com or to my site, bookimasaku.com, B U K I M O S A K U.com, um, you can actually take it there and it will reveal mm -hmm. to you your perspective on bias and what to do to um, uh, maximize your effectiveness at, at, at navigating. So, um, yeah. All right. I'll definitely put yeah. those links down in the description. But thank you so much for taking the time to talk. This has been very grateful. And <laughs> we'll definitely have yeah. another uh, discussion one of these days in the future. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. A pleasure, Drew. And I love and what you're is... doing. Keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> thank you. It's just a small podcast doing its own thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. It's great. It's great. You know, and I love to hear from your from whoever watches, you know, let me know. Just hit me up, info at bookimasaku.com. Yes, sir. You take care, boss. Have a good day.
Hey guys, thank you for listening to Just Chatting with Drew. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for more information and updates on the next episode. And give us a follow on Instagram, Just Chatting with Drew, and my Instagram, Drew.N96, to keep yourself updated and links to share your voice. Tell me what you think about the pod. Tell me what you think about the episode and what more topics you want to hear from. I'd love to hear back from you guys. And yeah, I'll see you guys next time. Peace.